Some people say I'm not a worshiper. I don't believe in God, so I don't worship. But the truth is that everyone, everywhere, is unceasingly worshiping. You can no more stop worshiping than you can stop breathing. Worship is the constant state of the human heart as we pour out our lives towards someone or something. We all worship. The only question is, what do you worship? It is the outpouring of all that you are into that which you hold in highest regard. This series is a study in glory. Only Jesus is worthy. Our posture in His presence. You guys excited to be gathered with your church today? Uh, oh, rowdy. I like it, 11.15. Man, way to go. Take that, 9.30. All right, so we... Don't tell him I said that. So we are, we're in the middle of a series on worship, and the truth is we are all worshipers, okay? We pour our time and affection and adoration and attention into something that is worshiping that thing, and we as followers of Jesus, we want to be people who worship the only one who is worthy, amen? And so that's what we've been doing. So we've been looking at these different elements these ideas, these concepts to, to give us a framework for worship. The first concept is, is understanding the, the weight of glory, that God is glory. He is glorious. And we glorify him. And in glorifying, we're not adding to his glory. We're recognizing it. We're calling it out. We've looked at posture, how our posture in worship matters, how we stand and how we sit and how we kneel and how we hold our hands is a declaration of our surrender to Jesus and his worth and his goodness. We've looked at this idea of doxology, how theology, our biblical understanding of who God is, leads us to a, a doxological, a, a proper response of declaring who he is. And we've looked at the Holy Spirit, how we need to be a people who are filled with the Spirit. If we're going to live lives of worship all day, every day of the week, that, that we want to be a people who are constantly being filled. And so, so what we're going to look at, we're going to look at a new concept uh, today, but I want, to, I want to look at it through an introduction in, in 1 Kings 19. Now, I'm not going to exegete this passage, but, but I think it, it, it gives us this glimpse that I think is really helpful. And, and so I'm going to put it up on the screen, but, but what it is, it's the story of this prophet Elijah. And he has just experienced his ministry high, his greatest moment in ministry, where, where he literally, in front of all these foreign, uh, foreign prophets, he basically, he calls to, cries out to God, and fire comes descending down to heaven, and it's just this like incredible moment in his life. But then right after the highest of highs, he experiences the lowest of lows. He goes through an, an actual clinical depression. He wants his life to be over. He can't eat. He can't sleep. And so the angel of the Lord comes to him and sends him up on this mountain. And this is what it says in 1 Kings 19.9. He says, There he came to a cave and lodged in it. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? And so Elijah responds. And he talks about how he's jealous and how he's jealous for God. And he's the only one who, who, who faithfully follows after and serves God anymore. And, and, the, and this is what he tells him to do. He says, and he said, go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by. And a great strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. 
and after the wind an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake, and after the earthquake a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire, and after the fire the sound of a low whisper. Some of your Bibles maybe even translate this, the sound of a thin silence. Some rabbis and theologians would even argue that, that this is the very sound of silence that he experienced. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and he went out and he stood at the entrance of the cave and behold, there came a voice to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? Now, I, I want you to pay attention to the question that's asked. The, the question at the beginning and the question at the end is exactly the same. God's presence on that mountain is exactly the same. But God is doing something, and he's doing something in Elijah. What is he doing? He, he's bringing about an awareness in Elijah. It's not that his presence is now there and it wasn't once there. It's that now Elijah, removed of all distraction, attention brought to the Lord, he is now aware of his presence. And so that's what I want to look at today, this idea of our awareness of God's presence and how vital that is in living lives completely saturated in worship. Because God is present with us in every conversation, every step, every breath, every action, every relationship, every moment of our lives. But the key is, are we aware? And so here's what I want to do. I want to move through three things. First, I want to understand theologically. I want a theological concept and understanding of the presence of God. And then I want to move into our hearts. Not just our heads, but our hearts. If we, if we understand theologically, then, then what does that do in our hearts and our lives if we become aware of the presence of God? And then lastly, I just quickly want to look at, so, so how? How do we become people who are more aware? And so first I want to look at the theology of God's presence and just kind of talk through a few concepts. So here's the first one. Is God's full presence fills the whole universe, Okay. Jeremiah 23 says this, Am I a God nearby and not a God far away? Who can hide in secret places so that I cannot see them, declares the Lord. Do I not fill heaven and earth? So God's presence, it's everywhere. It is on, in all of the universe. There is nowhere in the entire universe. There is nowhere in all of creation, land or sea, heaven or hell, where one can flee from God's presence. Okay, here's the second thing. God's presence, it's not limited. There is no limit on his presence. But God will, but will God really dwell on earth? First Kings 8. The heavens, even the highest heaven cannot contain you. How much less this temple I have built. Okay, here's what I need you to understand is, is that there is no, there's, God is outside of space. God is outside of time. He's not constricted or constrained to time like we are, but he's also not constricted or constrained or limited by space like we are. Now, don't think about that too long. You'll have a brain aneurysm, right? Because <laughs> you're like, well, but when and how and where? And like, nope, you, you, we are limited, all right? His ways are above our ways and our brains are, are, are small. But, but there's some implications of this that I need you to understand when, when this idea of there's, there, his presence is not limited. First, God is not limited to particular spaces, there are not holy, sacred spaces in which God dwells, and then unholy, secular spaces in which he does not dwell. 
It's wrong to say that there's places that God is only in those places. Church, a temple, nature, certain countries where, where there's belief. No, no, God is not limited to those spaces. It's also wrong to say there's spaces that he isn't. Like my place of work, my, my coffee shop when I go there, a, a skating rink, even the darkest places on earth, God is there. And we actually have this generational theology, this, this phrase and this understanding that's kind of passed on, that, that, we, that you'll hear your, or you'll say that, oh, like sin or sinners cannot be in the presence of God, or they say the opposite, God can't be in the presence of sin. That, that's actually not true, okay? Because guess what? God is here right now. And so are you, you sinners, right? Like, like uh, there is sin. There's brokenness in this room. And, and what happens is we start to get this concept. I even, read, I even read this week. Somebody was describing it, trying to explain it. They're like, you know, it's like during the summer and your kid's at a park and they, they're running around and they're sweating, they're dirty and they come home. They're like, you have to clean them up first. And you, you want to you know, you shower them or, or, or bathe them and get them clean clothes before you welcome them into your arms. I'm like, you are the worst parent I have ever met in my life. You do not have kids, right? Like, bring them sweaty and dirty and smelly. Like, I love it. Like, I, like you want to, like, are we better parents than God is with us? And we start to get this concept in our heads, man, I can't go to God if I'm unclean. I can't be in his presence if I have sin. And so we think, oh, I need to clean myself and then I can go to church. I need to clean myself, then I can pray. I need to clean myself and then I can enter into his presence. That is heresy. That is wrong. Jesus cleans you. Bring your filthiness. Bring your dirt. He is not limited by those things. He is not limited by anything, including particular spaces. Second application of this, of him not being limited, is God is present with his whole being in every part of space, okay? Here's what I mean by that. Think of this way. How many of you guys are like me and really like pineapple on your pizza, right? Like bold hands, yes. Like, get, don't, don't like throw it up real quickly. Like boldly, like, like okay, yeah. So this is pretty good. That's, a, that's about 30%. I'll take it, right? You, you 30% of this church, you enjoy, like you have a sweetness to your life. You enjoy fun, like, you, you, you are less bitter. Like, there's something beautiful about you. There is a holy, I don't know if you know this, but there is a holy trinity of pizza toppings, right? Here's what it is. Pepperoni, pineapple, jalapeno, right? If you've, thank you, charismatic church. If you've never had it, if you've never had it, go to Mod Pizza after this, order it, and, and get the barbecue drizzle on top, sit down and be like, our pastor is full of wisdom and depth of insight. My palate has never tasted or experienced such goodness. He is present in this room, like, and pray and worship right in that moment, right? But, but imagine with me, I go get the biggest pizza that I can. All right, I go to Wall Street, get a family pizza, something like that, and I bring it right here, and I'm like, okay, everybody who loves pineapple, we're going to divvy this up, and we're going to share it. It's going to be wonderful. Like, it would be terrible. There was, like, way too many uh, of us. Like, it would be, like, these thin, like, thoughts of pizza. Like, you'd be like, ah, it, was a, it was like a LaCroix of pizza. Like, and there was, I think there was flavor, you know? Like, you, you know? <laughs> and you're, it would be miserable. It, this is how we treat God. This is what we think. We think we get a slice of God. We get a piece of God. Here's what I need you to understand theologically. The fullness of God is in this room right now. He is not, it's not, we don't get a piece of him. 
I know we can't understand that. I know we can't quite grasp that, but it's not like part of him is at East Hill and part of him is at Rise and part of him is at Cornerstone. No, the fullness of God is here. The fullness of God is at your house. The fullness of God is in Fred Meyer. Like the fullness of God is in Mod Pizza to his glory right now. Like this is who he is. You get the whole thing with God because he is not limited. He is not limited by time. He is not limited by space. And, and lastly, kind of a clarification on this, him having no limits, is, is God is everywhere, but God is not everything. Because what we can start to say is, okay, if God is everywhere, then God is this tree, and this tree is God. That's actually, uh, that's an Eastern way of thinking. It's called pantheism, where everything is God, and God is everything. No, God is everywhere, but he's also distinct from his creation. So this is the theological understanding that we need, that, that we need okay? And, and we also need to understand that God's presence, it can have different purposes in different places, all right? There's a third thing. So he's present in different ways in different places, or he acts differently in different places in his creation. Now, here's why I want you to understand that, is because there are times where we can look at our lives and be like, God was not present there. And that is, that is false. That, that, that's not true. One of the things that God's presence does is it sustains. His presence actually sustains all of life. In Colossians, it tells us that he, being Jesus, is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Jesus is the one who sustains you. Jesus is the one who sustains our world and our universe. He is the creator of all things, but he's also the sustainer of all things. But sometimes, actually, his presence, the presence of God, shows up in the form of punishment or justice. And we think, God wasn't there. He wasn't present there. How could he allow that? Now, we can't understand all the ins and outs of the things that he allows or he doesn't. But I need you to know he's there. And he is just. And he is good. But as you read through the scriptures and you read about his presence, God being omnipresent, present in all places, the fullness of, at all times, there, there's a common theme of his presence. And you know what it is? When God's presence is there, it's an experience of God's goodness and grace. Man, when the psalmist writes of God, Psalm 16, in your presence there is fullness of joy. In your right hand are pleasures forevermore. The main contributing thing that God's presence bring, brings is God's blessing. In fact, in Revelation, when we get this picture or this glimpse of eternity, you know what the ultimate promise of Revelation is? That we get his presence. Behold, the dwelling of God is with men. He will dwell with them and they shall be his people and God himself will be with them. So, is God everywhere? Yes. He is everywhere. There is no place that his presence is not. Is there a limit to that presence? Things, places he can't be or things he can't do? Nope. No, not at all. Just because we, we don't understand how he's showing up, how he's revealing himself, but he also, uh, he, he, his presence may have different purposes in different places, but the number one common theme of experiencing his presence is experience his blessing, his joy, and his goodness. Okay, so, so this is 
this theology, it, it has massive implications. If, if we could start to wrap our heads around this and think biblically about every element of every area of our lives, but we need to move it from our heads because it starts there. It, it's a transformation starts with a renewing of our minds, but we need to move it to our hearts. This is theology we need to experience. This is theology we need to actually live out. What happens when a theology of God's presence moves into a praxis of our awareness of his presence? Well, three things that I I just want to point out and look at. First, awareness brings passion and joy. Like God is here. He is in your life. He is in your work. He is in your everyday. Like imagine the passion and joy that you could start to exude. Imagine the way we would pray or worship or study God's word if we became aware of his presence. Think about this. When you sit down to pray, imagine if you became aware that you are praying to the sovereign hand that moves the universe. And he wants to listen to you. And not only that, at his right hand is his son Jesus interceding on your behalf, saying, this is my child, yet my blood covers her. I died for him, interceding, pleading with the Father on our behalf. And you have these moments where you're like, I don't know what to pray. I'm overwhelmed, I'm overworked, I'm tired, I'm beat down. Guess what lives inside of you? The Holy Spirit. And it says the Holy Spirit prays on our behalf to the Father through the Son. There's an awareness that brings a passion and a joy. Last week, we came forward and prayed for receiving of the fullness of the Holy Spirit on so many of us. We, we desire that. We long for that. And, and I was having a conversation with this young man, Caleb, who, who serves, he's an intern in our, in, in our youth and young adults. And, uh, and I was ask, asking him about Sunday, and he's like, man, it was a crazy experience. He says, he says I just, Nolan started to invite the prayer team up. He's like, and I'm not on the prayer team, but I just got, I didn't think about it. I just got up and I just started walking forward. I'm like, you're not supposed to do that, man. He's like, I don't, the Holy Spirit was just like moving me forward. And he comes and he, and he tries to walk straight forward and he said it was crowded. So he just starts moving, finding a spot on the stage to just stop and pray. And he said, he just sat there and prayed for God to bring the right person along. Now I know a little bit about Caleb's story. I know that Caleb is walking through deep grief because last year he lost his mom unexpectedly. He's walking through the wounds and the pain of that. And so Caleb feels so compelled to just come forward and say, I'm just ready to receive anyone who needs prayer. He says, I get done praying and the first person who walks up to me is a guy who is walking through losing his mom right now. And I just prayed over him. This is what God does. You realize this? We're just not aware He is moving. He is orchestrating in our lives. How would we pray if we became aware of his presence, aware of his power? How would we worship if instead of just like, ah, what do I think about the music or how's the temperature in here or that person swaying too much in front of me, right? Like imagine if our focus was on Jesus. Like in this place, like maybe we would walk out because, you know, fewer times because I'm kind of busy and this is going a little long and I got things to do. No, you are in the presence of God, a, a God who is worthy of your adoration and praise and worship. Like, like, like imagine if no one else mattered, no one else existed, but a sovereign king on his throne who demands our praise and glory and worship. There would be a passion and a joy in those moments. Imagine reading your Bible 
with an awareness that God has written a letter to you because he wants you to know of his love and his goodness and his grace, and it points to Jesus, all of it. Every, every word in Scripture has a path to Jesus because Jesus is the perfect manifestation of God, and it's all pointing us to him, and we sit there and we read, and we're like, I, I don't understand. I don't know the ins and outs. Guess what? The Holy Spirit is there present with you to help you understand and interpret, but we just move on too quickly. The awareness of his presence in every moment, it would bring passion and joy to us. Lamar Bachman said this, when I worship, I would rather my heart be without words than my words be without heart. How do we have that kind of heart? It's by becoming aware of the presence of God. He's here. The fullness of his presence is here in this room. Not a slice, not a thought, not a piece of it. And we want to change our passion for life. We need to change our perspective. We need to change our perception. We want to change how we worship. We need to change our awareness. Imagine the passion and the joy that would come to all of life. Work, conversations, raising kids. The everyday meaningless moments would have a renewed sense of awe and wonder to them. Here's the second thing that it would bring us is awareness awareness brings adoration and worship. When you start to become aware of seeing God move in your life, you cannot help but worship and praise him, right? The, the, the problem is not God's, the lack of God's presence. The problem is our lack of awareness. God is moving so much in our lives, yet we've, we've just turned out to it, tur- t- tuned out to it. We, we, we ignore it. We're distracted with so many other things. A few weeks ago, I was... Uh, Finishing up a meeting here. We're having a staff meeting and uh, got done wrapping up and I'm, I'm, I'm sitting having a conversation with Kristen Friend and, 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 and it, the topic of the conversation got on Dave Bradley. He's a guy we actually brought up and honored here so he's got enough kudos but whatever, he's part of the story. So, uh, And we're talking about Dave Bradley, talking about how much we love this guy and I kid you not, it was like a one minute conversation and while we're, while we're talking about him, I, I feel my phone vibrate in my pocket and I pull it out and I, I show it to Chris and I'm like, Dave Bradley text me right then, like, like get him off the cameras, like, what, you know, how does he, like, how does he know, like, what, what, what's happening? And so, I, 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 if you know me, you know, you know that I'm really bad at getting back to text because I put my phone back and I completely forget about it and I just continue on my conversation. I get in my car and I'm ready to go home and I think, like, I'm hungry. So, so I'm driving and I'm driving down Burnside, and I'm at Burn, Burnside and Hogan. You know what I'm talking about, where it's like an arrow, where that Starbucks is. And, I'm, and I pull up to the light, and this big, this big giant white truck pulls up next to me so I can like see nothing off to my left. And I remember, oh yeah, Dave Bradley texts me. I'm going to get back to him. So, so I pull up my phone, and I see, it's not just a, it's a quick text saying like, he, he was telling me that he, he accepted this job at my father's house. And so I go to reply, and I notice that there's a Word document attached to the text. And so I think two things. First, like, Dave, what are you doing attaching a Word document to a text message? Like, what is happening right now? And then my second thought is like, I didn't know you could attach a Word document to a text message. That's pretty great. Like, I could just send it via text. This is incredible. So what do I do? I'm at a light. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm reading this Word document. I'm literally, like, it's ma- like, I'm talking pages. And I just pull it up, and I'm just like scrolling through, paying no attention to anything going on around me. And I'm just reading this job description on this Microsoft Word document that's on my phone in my pocket, right? And so all, all of a sudden, the light turns green. Do I notice the light's green? No, because I'm reading a Word document in my phone, right? I notice the white truck next to me starts to go and then stops. 
And I literally just have this thought, like, what is happening right now? Like, like that's not how an intersection works. Like, and then, I, I kid you not, there, there's a three-second pause. One, two, three, and a semi-truck comes flying through the red light. I wouldn't have seen it. I would have just gone. The truck next to me, we roll our windows down. She looks at me, and I look at her, and we just have this conversation, like, one of us probably should have just died. And what do I do next? Well, I, I go to Panda Express, right? <laughs> like, that, that's what you do when you have a moment like that. You're like, man, orange chicken, like, not a last meal, this is like a first meal all over again, a rebirth, right? And I get my orange chicken and my Kung Pao chicken, just literally thinking nothing of it. And I pack it up and I get in my truck and I start driving home. And a whisper, not an audible voice, just a whisper in my heart from the Lord says, I need you to know I just saved your life. And I just start thinking through the events that led up to that moment. Any other situation, any other circumstance, I would have just green light, go, done. And as I'm driving home, I begin to weep. Not because I'm scared. Not because I'm overwhelmed. I begin to weep at the goodness and grace of God. Because June 30th, 2021, he brought a new level of awareness to the way he moves in my life. He, he's always doing that. We just aren't aware. Like, imagine the adoration and worship that would be brought about in our lives if we began to see how God is moving and present in all things, in all places. This is what awareness does. And the last thing it brings is awareness. It brings peace and comfort. See, he's present in every conversation, every step, every breath, every action, every relationship, every moment of our lives. Maybe the reason you experience so much anxiety is because you feel alone and you feel overwhelmed and you think, how can I get through this next day? And what I'm telling you is you're not alone. God is with you. If everyone else has abandoned you, rejected you, misunderstood you, walked away, guess what? God is still present with you. He says he's close to the brokenhearted. He promises to draw near to those who draw near to him. He is not a distant deity. He is an intimate father that loves us and cares for us. When you walk into that doctor's appointment next week, God is with you. When you have that hard conversation Painful conversation, God is with you. When you feel the anxiety building, when you feel the tug of the addiction, when you feel the overwhelming challenge at work, when you feel alone, when you feel worthless, when you, when you feel whatever you're feeling and experiencing, I need you to know in your mind, and I need you to know in your heart, God is fully present with you. All of him offered to you in that moment. And if we would be but aware, it would bring peace and comfort that couldn't be explained. A couple months ago, I scheduled a time to go visit my dad because I hadn't seen him in about a year. And so I uh, looked at the calendar, found three dates that were open, and I booked a flight. And I had already told my wife that I wanted to go down and see him, and I just need to figure out a, a time to go. And so I, I tell her the dates that I'm flying down, she goes, oh, like that's when your sister's due date is. I'm like, ah, oh, good planning on my part. 
you know? Like, I get to go see her and my nephew and spend time with my family. Like, this is, like, perfect. This is awesome. And so on a Tuesday, I'm flying down, and I'm texting my sister that morning, and just so excited, getting the details of, of, of when she's going to be induced and have her C-section and all, you know, all the ins and outs. And I and, uh, get on the plane from Portland down to San Jose, and I fly into San Jose, and my dad comes and picks me up. And uh, we start driving to his, uh, to his house and just having a conversation, and I get a text from my sister. It was to me and my brother and my dad. And the, the, the text message tells me that... Um, Everett, who was going to be born two days later, she just lost him. Um, and we just sit in silence and just grieve. My dad grieves the loss of a grandson. I grieve the loss of a nephew, but more than that, I grieve the pain for my sister. But this baby boy that she was literally moments away, days away from holding in her arms. And so a couple days later, we go over to their house when they get home from the hospital. And what do we do? We just sit with them and we just grieve. There's nothing I can say. There's nothing I can do. Sometimes she tells me stories. Sometimes she just sits and cries. At uh, one point, she walks me up to his nursery, walks me around his room and his crib, points to the rocking chair that her husband just got her for Mother's Day, opens the closet, just this row and row of little baby boy's clothes just sitting there that he'll never wear. She shows me the bucket that her son Oliver would put for his toys into for baby brother and drag him across to the nursery. All I wanted to do was be with her in that moment. Why? Because she is precious to me and I love her and I grieve with her. A pastor once told me, he said, Jason, you know what we do in grief with people? As followers of Jesus, we do what God does. He doesn't always remove it or take it away or solve it, but he draws near to us in our pain and our grief. I, I need you to know this. Like, I don't know what you are facing. God wants to be with you. He wants to draw near and be present. Why? Because you are precious to him, and he, he loves you. And for me as a brother, I really don't have much to offer. But God has much to offer. He is a God of healing. He is a God of restoration. He is a God of redemption. He is a God of peace that can't be explained. He is a God of comfort. And ultimately, no matter what we face, he's a God of resurrection. We grieve things in life, but we do not grieve as those without hope. And so whatever you're going through, whatever the depth of it, I just need you to know. My prayer is that you would become aware in that moment of his presence. That's my prayer for my sister over these last couple months. Lord, would you just make, your, make her aware of your presence and your love and your grace for her. And so how do we do this? How do we become a people, become more aware of God's presence? And just 
few options real quick. One, um, I want you to start talking to God. Small conversations. In the scriptures, we call this prayer. But, but if you've never been around God, you've never been around church, the idea of prayer might seem intimidating to you. So I just want to encourage you to talk to God. Tell him the meaningless things that you feel like nobody cares about. And start to see how much he cares. Brother Lawrence, in his book, Practicing the Presence of God, he writes this. He said, we should establish ourselves in a sense of God's presence by continually conversing with him. This is what I'm facing This is what I'm going through. This is the hardship. This is the thing I care about. This is the little joy. This is what makes me happy. That it was a shameful thing to quit his conversation to think of trifles and fooleries. Like like we can talk to God, yet we think about these trifles and fooleries instead. I, I would actually add something to this quote by Brother Lawrence. This is not scripture, so I can add to it. You know what I'd add? God cares about your trifles and your fooleries. If they're precious to you, they're precious to him because you're precious to him. And so just practice talking to him. Second, B, just sit in his presence, even if it's uncomfortable. Maybe when you get up in the morning, you grab your cup of coffee and you sit on the couch or you sit on your porch. Just remind yourself, like, I'm sitting in the presence of a wonderful, loving, holy God right now. And I don't need to check my phone. I don't need to read the news. I don't need to get on my email. I don't need to grab that book or start cleaning. Like maybe the best thing I can do right now is just be in his presence. Remind yourself, even if you don't feel it in your heart, remind yourself the truth in your mind that he is fully present in that moment with you. And practice that. Dane Ortland puts it like this. He says, Jesus wants to come to you and enjoy meals together. Spend time with you to deepen the acquaintance. With a good friend, you don't need to constantly fill in all gaps of silence with words. You can just be warmly present together, quietly relishing each other's company. Now, would you just relish his company? Maybe learn to just be silent in the way Elijah had to learn to be silent up on that mountain to become aware of his presence. And lastly, I want to encourage you to listen. Would you fill your mind and soul with his words to you? I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. And we're going to transition into a time. And we're going to start our worship by listening. Maybe when we worship, I I would encourage you to, to go back to the back of the room and take communion. And to be aware of God's presence here with you in this moment to remind yourself of Jesus' body was broken so that you could experience the fullness. It says when Jesus died on the cross, the temple, the curtain temple that separated the holy of holies, that removed us from the presence of God, was torn from the top to the bottom. And what that means is there's no longer a place, there's no longer a space where you go to enter into the presence of God, but that Jesus has made away. Maybe you need to go back for prayer. Maybe you ask somebody to pray that you would become more aware. Maybe you ask for prayer because you've been dealing with things on your own. Maybe you go back and you say, I don't even know what I need prayer 
for. And we serve a God who is very present in that gathering. A.W. Tozer says this, it is for increasing degrees of awareness that we pray. For a more perfect consciousness of the divine presence. We need never shout across the spaces to an absent God. He is nearer than our own soul, closer than our most secret thoughts. He is here, and he is present. And I need you to listen. And so as we transition into a time of worship, I'm going to actually, I'm going to pray here in a minute, and I'm going to ask you to just stay seated. And we're going to have some words, some truths, some, some concepts, some ideas from Scripture just wash over you. I want you to remove all distraction, remove the things that are on your mind, remove the things that you need to go do later, and just listen to the voice of God and what he has to say to you in this moment and feel near to him, feel close to him. And then when that's done, we're gonna enter into a time of worship. And when we do, I just encourage you, when you're ready to stand, when you're ready, go for communion, when you're ready, go for prayer. But let's take a moment and let's listen. Let's be aware of his presence here and now. God, you are a God who draws near. You are a God that we don't have to go onto the mountain or enter the temple that you have drawn near to us. Our problem is not a lack of your fullness or your presence or your goodness. Our problem is our awareness, our distractions. And so, Lord, I pray in the name of your son, Jesus, by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would remove the scales from our eyes and you would give us spiritual eyes to see the way you move, the way you love, the way you draw near and offer us your grace and your goodness and your blessing, Lord. Would we be a people who know your nearness like we know our own soul that would sit silently and quietly just dwelling in the goodness of your presence. Would you teach us here today? We pray this. And by the nature of your son, Jesus. Amen.